Good afternoon and welcome to the Tech Educator Podcast, episode number 42. My name is Jeff Bradbury from TeacherCast.net. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a great show in store for you. We have a guest coming on the show from his school who's going to be asking a lot of questions about blogging. And to answer those questions, we have our co-host of the evening, Mr. Sam Patterson. Sam, how are you doing today? And uh, how was your flight through California skies tonight? Uh, my flight was amazing. It was less than an hour long, so I spent a lot more time in airports than I did actually flying. Um, and I'm really glad to be back to Northern California after, I think, nine days out sick. It was crazy. And how crazy was it? It was so crazy, the penguins were coming inside. Uh, sorry, I should have had the puppet on for that. Oh. So, uh... You know, we have a few people here live. Of course, we're here each and every single Sunday at 7 o'clock. And we have a couple questions, Sam. And that question is, how can people get a hold of us? And I'm here to tell you, there are many ways to get a hold of our show each and every week. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at TechEdShow. You can, of course, email us at feedback at techeducatorpodcast.com and leave us a voicemail at techeducatorpodcast.com slash voicemail. But the way that we love you doing it is by checking out our channel on YouTube at teachercast.net slash YouTube, where I am so thrilled that we just hit 700 YouTube followers. We're actually up to 713 followers right now. And uh, we are, of course, live here at techeducatorpodcast.com, where you can check out all of our back channel ones and, of course, subscribe to all of our video channels. So, Sam, welcome. I'm so glad things are going for you today. Um, want to bring on our guest for the evening, Mr. Jay Eitner. Jay, how are you today? I'm great. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing well. Now, I, I recently heard that your bio on, te on TeacherCast was a little updated. That means you must be doing something new with yourself. What is going on in the life of Jay Eitner? You know, all is calm, all is good, my friend. Uh, we're just kind of moving forward here in the great state of New Jersey, trying to stay warm, uh, trying to keep my house warm, and uh, very excited, actually, to be uh, on the Tech Edge podcast this evening, since you're all talking about blogs and uh, specifically policy and all that kind of fun stuff. And policy and fun can be in the same sentence. Absolutely. It just was. Policy and fun Thank stuff. You, you know, we... we I don't know if you're aware of this, Jay, but we actually have another co-host tonight. Uh, Sam, do we? we we do. S Sam, is is your co-host there? Yeah, yeah. Hold on. He was he was sleeping. I was not sleeping. Hi, Walker. Yeah, How are so you? I'm doing really Waka, well. Thanks. Walker. Walker. <laughs> he chants like a kindergartner. I swear that's what it sounds like when I walk across campus. They're like, we want Walker. And then the teachers get mad. And uh, it's embarrassing. How's everything going with Walker today? Uh, can't complain, you know. We we want to know. Did Walker get sick this weekend? Um, no. Although there were puppets online accusing me of infecting them with puppet flu, although I never had puppet flu to my knowledge. <laughs> nice. Puppet flu. I I, I... Yeah, it's really bad. You 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 fluff yourself, Jay. Let me tell you, there's a whole different kind of policy for puppet flu, guys. We don't want to even get into that this evening. No, I, I don't think there's time. No. Well, Sam, you know, we were talking earlier about our topic for tonight of blogger. And, you know, I, I, I have an opportunity to work closely with Jay at his school and trying to get teachers to use technology, trying to get teachers to write a little bit. I know in my school we're always interested in HESPA scores and just trying to get our kids up. And we always say that the way to help our kids succeed is by modeling good behavior. 
And so I'm glad that you're here today to talk to us about Blogger and about ways that we can model good behavior. Now, let me quick bring Jay in here. You're a blogger, aren't you, Jay? Yes. Uh, I, I mean, as, as much as I tried to, uh, you know, in, in these fast times of that everyone's living in, but I, I try to put up a, a decent post every now and then. Certainly not uh, every day or every week for that matter, but I feel I'm more of a blogger that when something happens, uh, I try to reflect on it and, of course, try to put it and spin it in some type of educational way. And how do you see digital writing? I, I'll say di- I don't say necessarily blog posts, but how do you see digital writing being used in your school this year? That's a great question. Uh, being that our, our philosophy and our core values kind of circulate around the idea of growing, learning, and moving onward, uh, it's 2014. And in 2014, it's absolutely paramount that we address uh, those quote unquote 21st century needs. Uh, and one of those would be, you know, digital literacy, digital citizenship, and uh, certainly digital writing. Uh, with the park test coming up next year and with, you know, so many instantaneous postings online, you know, whether it be blogs or, you know, just online chats or, I mean, name it. I mean, you could go to CNN.com right now. You could go to TeacherCast.net. You know, I mean, you could go anywhere right now. Uh, I, I feel it's absolutely critical to be not only uh, to embrace digital learning and blogs and digital writing, but to participate in it to see how it actually works. Um, and and we're, we're getting there. We're moving forward. And I also understand you're moving onward at the same time. Onward. Yes, we are. Thank you. Now, Sam, you've got some tips and tricks that you're going to be talking to us about today on setting up things. Now, we're specifically today talking about Blogger, and you know we've discussed other blogging platforms. What is so special about Blogger, and what are you using it for? Well, um, I started when I started my own blog. I started on Blogger, and until this year, I've only used it for personal blogging. Uh, one of the really great things about Blogger is if you're a Google Apps for Education school, you have it already. So when I started this year uh, at my school, the technology committee had several long conversations about blogging, and I brought uh, profiles of different platforms to the tech committee and presented the advantages, the costs, the opportunities with each of them, and our school decided to go with Blogger. and. Recently, they made the policy decision to actually move our web browser to Google Chrome, so it's now possible to use Blogger, whereas before we were using Internet Explorer, I don't know, 7. It was not supporting Google Apps well, and there would be a message bar that came up that said, you know, the browser you are using is made of wood. Please switch to one that's, you know, made of bits. So... We uh, did adopt a new browser, and now uh, a lot of our school right now is in the middle of adopting Blogger. So it's a pretty exciting opportunity uh, for me to learn about Blogger as it operates on a school level and to help them find ways to use that. Now, all of our elementary teachers, K through 5, publish a newsletter every week. It's a four- to six-page Word document with different paragraphs and some pictures. Um, And sometimes they might include a small video on the website. That's difficult because our school website, while it integrates from a lot of categories well, um, it's not teacher as user friendly. Mm -hmm. It's really assumed that you're gonna have people in 
paid positions pushing content onto the site. It's not, there's no app for it. It's not easy to record onto the website. Um, so Blogger creates a lot more opportunities for teachers to take that same amount of work that they're putting into the newsletter and create a series of posts that'll fill the week, not one big document at the end of the week. And each of those posts is actually an opportunity for conversation with their parents. Um, so we're kind of in the middle of starting that up. I'm working right now at second grade and we're gonna really have second grade be a model for the other classes. Now, Jay, you just got yourself hooked into Google Apps for Education at your school, right? Yes, we did. Talk a little bit about the transition that you're currently making. I mean, it's still relatively new for you, but how do you how is LAC right now currently using Google Apps and how do you want to eventually see it maybe next year and in the years, you know, coming down the road here? Well, again, uh, coming in as a new superintendent uh, and, and really taking the charge and updating everyone to uh, 2014 technology and means uh, is a challenge within itself. And while I, I consider myself very aggressive, uh, I also know that you know some of these things do take time and you need to uh, take a little bit of uh, crockpot methodology, if you will. Uh, actually, one of my blog posts is about uh, crockpot learning and how we kind of have to take things low and slow. Uh, and one of the things that we're trying to do right now is, you know, we are starting blog and we are uh, blogging a little bit at the school. We're not totally uh, full-fledged yet, but uh, again, you know, dip your toe in the water. It's okay. Uh, the Sharknado will not come. It is okay. Uh, you are given, in this case, uh, I like to keep saying that you're given the educational keys to the kingdom. And you have, you know, the sky's the limit. You want to go try out uh, this blogging apparatus, then go ahead. If you want to utilize another type of online, you know, blog-like features, that's okay too. Uh, find what you like and go ahead and experiment with it. And if you don't like it, that's okay. We're going to find something else that you will. But I want everyone to, to embrace blogging. It's okay. Uh, and I really feel that that's a very, very important piece to all of this, uh, especially as a superintendent, because you need to, uh, the superintendent needs to embrace uh, 21st century technology, specifically with blogging. If, if the top doesn't embrace, nobody's going to embrace. Right? Well, and as a superintendent, Jay, if you're working to create a public image of your school, what better source than teachers in the classroom? You know, if you support them in that sharing, it gives you, you know, that many feeds of great content, great learning that you can share with the community as evidence of your learning. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and again, I mean, as a superintendent, you know, one of my biggest jobs is to uh, promote the district and to show the district to all the wonderful things that are going on here. So having said that, uh, of course, I want, I want people to blog and I want people to guide and use all these different technologies. But uh, I really feel that blogging for, for teachers and even for students kind of you know, it takes you inside the classroom in ways that we weren't able to go into a classroom before. Uh, it's live, it's instantaneous, uh, it's personal. And sure, we could do all that before by means of, you know, the pen. Uh, however, you know, uh, in this day and age, as we all become more and more connected, I mean, look at us right now. You have people from New Jersey and California uh, sitting together uh, in a, a video feed talking about blogging. Right. Uh, as, as we get more and more connected here in this case, you know, if mom and dad are on a business trip in California, or in my case, I have several military families in my district, and, you know, they're on the other side of the planet, 
uh, they're just a click away to see how their son or daughter is doing and progressing in that classroom. So exactly. So, um, go ahead. I was going to ask you, I mean, Jay brings up a good point of, of writing versus, you know, penmanship and stuff. But Sam, I have to ask you as the guy here with the doctorate, is the pen mightier than the blog at this point or is the blog mightier than the pen? Well, you know, they're, they're not necessarily the same thing. I've used blogs with students as writer's notebooks, and there are students that are going to be more engaged in that mode of writing. There are other students that are going to be more engaged in handwriting. So I'm going to say, you know, at the student level, you want to give them the choice, but you also want to give them the opportunity. You know, the computer literacy to be able to compose a blog post and have control over where the picture shows up and how big the picture is and make sure that picture falls into Creative Commons copyright and is appropriately cited, you know, all of these things are the learning goals that I handle as the technology instructor. You know, those are things that are important to me, but the content the student creates, I want them to be able to choose that as much as possible. Um, so you want to create those opportunities, but it's not really about either or handwriting or blogging. When you're teaching blogging, you're teaching blogging. When you're teaching handwriting, you're teaching handwriting. Yes, the content you make in each is similar because it's thoughts put into words, um, but I think they're just different things, and I think that both are valid. So, Sam, why don't you take us through a little bit about Blogger? Because i got to tell you again, I'm a WordPress guy. I love using WordPress, but I'm really not familiar with what Blogger is or what it does. I know that Google Apps has Blogger, and then they also have Google Sites. Maybe you can talk to us why we would want to do one or the other, but uh, give us the rundown here. And, and by the Will way, do. if you're out there watching live on TeacherCast.tv and you have any questions, please put them in the chat box right there at the bottom of TeacherCast.tv, and we would love to uh, use this as an interactive forum. So, Sam, take so, it away. I'm, I'm going to walk through setting up a class blog. Um, Google Sites is great, and you can make a Google Site, and you can have multiple students as authors on that Google Site. Um, there is some overlap because Blogger was developed independently of Google. Even though it's now part of Google, it is just, you know, Google ate it up. Um, so it has some degree of interaction with Google. I think that, I hope, that the future of Blogger is going to actually have a stronger relationship between Google Drive and Blogger because I like being able to get content from my Google Drive publicly visible, and I know how to do that inside of Google Drive. I'd love to be able to do it in a click out of Blogger, but we're not there yet. Um, so when you sign into Blogger, it opens up a page that has your blogs on it. And this, I have two main profiles on Blogger, and this is one of them. And I've got all the five blogs open here. Now, if I want to start a new blog, I'm just going to click on the new blog button, and I come up with the title. And I'm going to call it Tech Educator for the sake of we are on the Tech Educator show. And the address is going to be Tech Educator, um, nope, Tech Educator 2, there you go, that's available, uh, .blogspot.com. Now, I can go delete this blog later. So I'm not putting a lot of thought into my exact name. Um, when I use it with classes, I want this to be as short and as memorable as possible. So my seventh grade tech is 7tech7.blogspot.com. Um, if you go there, you won't be able to reach it because it's set up private. You have a number of, pro, of templates that you can choose here. You can make a different choice later, and there's a wider variety once you're actually inside the blog platform. So I'm going to click on Watermark because I don't think I've ever used that one before, but I know I'm likely going to change it. Uh, different templates have some different menus set up, and they just have a different look to them. 
Uh, ideally, you want the template not to distract from your actual work. And even though I use the dark profile, a really dark profile on 7Tex7, it's a little annoying because sometimes it's hard to read. Um, so I may end up changing that. So once you've done this, it prompts you, your blog has been created, start posting. So we're gonna go ahead and click on the start posting and then I'm actually gonna back out of this um, window to my settings page. So when I set up a blog, I've got all of these menus over here, earnings, stats, Google+, all of these I don't really worry about a whole lot in the school context but I'm gonna go straight to settings. And this is where you make the choices that are going to be in line with what your school wants to be visible. Because setting up a blog for a school, you have to think very carefully about what you're sharing in a public setting, what rights you have to share what you share, and how to protect your students if they don't want to, their photos to be shared in a public setting. Um, Jay, can you talk a little bit about what your schools and districts shares in a public setting as far as do you use pictures of kids with, you know, do you have their faces in the picture? Do you associate the name of the school, the name of the student and the face of the child in the same picture? What, what have been the choices you've made in that? And tell us a little about the process of coming to those choices. Sure. Uh, everything kind of starts with sound policy. And if, if one does not have a policy in place, uh, one is very limited as to what they could do or what they can't do. So it kind of starts with the basis of uh, a policy to be formed to reflect that, you know, we are a school, we are realize that we are in a, uh, it's 2014, and this is the primary mode of education and communication. So having said that as a base, uh, it, it's really the sky's the limit as to where you want to go. Now, I, I uh, at my first Board of Education meeting, I uh, quote-unquote shotgun about 15 different policies through in the middle of July, ranging from, you know, an, an effective uh, communication policy to a website disclaimer all the way down to uh, an AUP. And in all of those policies, you know, the, the main idea is, you know, we are here to promote our school slash we are really here to promote our students and all the wonderful things that they are doing. Having said all of that, uh, you do have to err on the side of caution and it is paramount that you don't put things like first and last names on a website. Uh, I typically will use a name, uh, but I don't necessarily will use a full name uh, unless it's a, an actual press release in a newspaper or something like that. But um, if you go to the uh, district's website, which is at lacschool.org, you could actually see on the home page there are several different pictures that are streaming through on the main page. We have a Flickr page, we have a YouTube channel. Uh, every single one of those children in any of those pictures signed off on a district policy stating that we will be using uh, your child's photos uh, to really to to show off their work, not to you know. And of course, it's it's showing off our school as well, but you most certainly need some type of policy in place before you, you know, you can't just wake up and say, hey, I want to do a block. Now, as a teacher, uh, 10 years ago, when I was teaching, I, I was starting to uh, really embrace the idea of, of blogging and podcasting and was fortunate enough that my district saw where we were going and, and actually uh, not only allowed me to do blogging and podcasting, but they, they kind of started shifting their policies. It, 
realizing where we're going and what we're doing. Um, and not every district, unfortunately, is on that path right now because we've unfortunately seen only the negatives really in the news. You know, we haven't seen. No. Right. You know, it, it's it, it's unfortunate that, you know, John taught a great lesson in this class today, and here it is, isn't, you know, what CNN's focusing on. Correct. Uh, uh, incident, incident creates policy and policy creates regulation. And unfortunately, you know, the incidents that are highlighted in, in the six o'clock news or on uh, any national news network are often of the negative connotation. Jake, so, this, uh, this is one of the reasons that it's important to work on a platform that can be either public or private. Um, and I know that there was some question earlier about there, there's a lot of different ways to do blogging. And I've worked with KidBlog a lot and I've worked with Blogger. And one of the nice things about KidBlog is it has, you know, private versus public on a switch and you can add uh, viewers, readers and authors at several different levels. And it's pretty easy to go back and forth between public and private. Well, absolutely. Sam, let me bring up that question here because we're talking about Blogger and we're talking about getting a school district on to blogging and onto writing. When you're mm -hmm. talking about Google Apps and all of these things, is this essentially the same thing as what KidBlog has, where there's a teacher account and then the teacher can blog no. and then under I'm not done yet. And then everybody underneath, you're shaking. I'm not finished the question yet. It's it, but it's it's not the same. Um, kid blog is it's a lot. There, there's a it's a much simpler workflow. But you're paying for that simpler workflow on a building level. Like uh, on a building level, you can have a bunch of teacher kid blog accounts associated with a school kid blog account. Have super authority over all of those individual accounts. Mm -hmm. Um, with Blogger, you've, it's similar, but not as streamlined. You can get to all of those things, but it's not, you know, quite so simple and everyone has to have a Google account. But so let's say at Jay's school, all the Whereas kids. Whereas with KidBlog, you can, you know, but, add but, a user. But let's say at a school like Jay's, does every kid have to have a Google, I'll say whatever, email address and then every kid individually signs up for blogger um because i know like with kid blog they give you like the teacher code and then every kid can sign up um, to a code yeah. or... now i'm done as the teacher what happens here i can even show you let me let me turn on my screen share and i can show you how this works um on the teacher side oh there's my cursor it took a little break there now we're back um, if I want to set up a blog that only my students can read, and because I'm going to use it for them turning in work, and I'm going to be responding to them, and I want them to read each other's posts and comment on it, um, or I want only my students and the people I choose to be able to read it, I'm going to take this blog reader setting right down here, and I'm going to edit it, and I have the choice of making it private to only these readers, um, and the readers will need to log in or private only to blog authors. So these are my two settings for school. And basically when I start off, it's private only to blog authors. And then after the kids are really comfortable blogging and they've had some specific guidance in what to do and what not to do, and we've made our little mistakes in our walled garden, 
without being publicly criticized or worrying about what's going to happen there. We open it up to private only these readers and we subscribe the, the parents to it so that they can then view the work that's going on. Um, well, Sam, let me ask you about that because, I mean, okay, at the beginning of the school year, Jay and every other principal and superintendent out there give the parents the thing to sign. Your kid will be doing X. But mm -hmm. the parent signs that and maybe doesn't understand that the kid is writing and it is being public. They don't understand the concept. Should the teachers – and I'll ask this to both of you – should the teachers then still send something additional out to the parents that says – we are doing a blog in science class. Here is the web address. Oh, yeah. Like, you want to make sure that as you do these things, you communicate with the parents about what you're doing, why you're doing it, and where this information can be found. You Absolutely. want to have that out front, and you really want it to be an invitation for engagement, right? We are so excited to share what we're doing in science class with you and each other. We're going to be using this blog site. Here's who's going to be able to read it. Here's what we're going to post. Here's, you know, the form, the, the link to click on for the Google form to put the email you want us to associate it with. And that email, need, as far as I know, actually needs to be a Google account. Well, let's talk um, about this. With, when you say this is what's going on, okay, I'm thinking September... And, you know, the first assignment that you give your kids is tell me about your summer vacation. And the kid writes, we went to Timbuktu and mom and dad had a good time and dad did something silly. Does that go up on the blog or is that where we as teachers just say we don't want to post that kid's work because it says something maybe that's. Exactly. Like you, you start off um, the, the biggest obligation you have as a teacher running a blog is to moderate it, right? Because the blog is a community. It's a community of learners. And if you have students composing directly to the blog, um, I don't give them the rights to publish or I will revert their work to draft if they publish and I've asked them not to, um, even when it's in that walled garden community until we're really ready for it to be done. When I invite them to the, um, the blog, like I've got my invitation thing open here. I want it to be private only to these blog authors. And I'm going to invite my friend, Jeff. He's, he's going to stand in for a student in the class, right? We're going to save the changes. And then an invite goes out to Jeff and shows up in his Gmail. It says, Sam has invited you to join this blog on Blogger. Um, is that to as, read or to write? Uh, that is as an author. So you will be able to compose and to um, read. So essentially, one teacher can send an invitation to all 30 kids if they all have G, uh, you know, Google Apps accounts. Exactly. And that's what we've done in my seventh grade tech class. So when they made their games and GameStar mechanic, they um, – let's, let's see. Do I have that tech? That, yeah. So in seventh grade tech, when – if I go to posts, you can see that I can I – can ha I have access to all of these students' posts. And I can revert, I can edit them, I can preview them, I can revert them to draft whenever I want. And as the teacher, that's my obligation. I'm responsible for what's on that blog. And I want to make sure I have it under control and my expectations are clear before I even invite the parent community in. Because so, otherwise, you're just going to make a lot of trouble for yourself. But teachers are pretty good about knowing what to share already. And if I'm using this, there's several use cases here, Jeff. And if I'm using this as a stand-in for that weekly newsletter, then as the teacher, I'm the main one who's composing on that blog. I may have the students logged in as authors, and I may have them write draft posts 
that I then bring over and publish from my name. And I can see students doing more of the active blogging as they get older. And with iPads, it's easy for them to be able to do it. Um, but as far as the work you're putting directly in front of parents and such, if you have a policy that allows the sharing of video, this is a great spot to do that because you can have kind of a private community where no one else can see the video except for the people who are logged into the blog. So let's go back here because we're getting a lot of good questions here. Unlike kid blog, where a kid logs in, it's he has his account. He can do it on his blog. This is actually one class blog that essentially you're just adding more authors to it. And each kid is an author. And then that kid can log in and post. And then you as the administrator can then release it to the world. Exactly. And when I've got it set up that only the blog authors can view, then they can see each other's blog posts. So in my seventh grade tech class, when they posted their games, um, they would be able to... Let's find one about games. So here's, so when they post their games, they can then, it looks like that one didn't come through. Let's try a different one. Oh, yes, yes, it did. They can then play each other's games without having to dig them out of the uh, GameStar Mechanics site. Now, because so, that's all on one blog, it all has the same background account, though, right? Like, your visuals exactly. is the same thing. Exactly, and I can change that, and then it'll change for everybody. But I've got control over that. You can give them each their own blog, but as a teacher, that means that I need to be added as a co-editor on that, or I need to make all of those blogs and invite each of those kids to all of those blogs. And then it's just a blog between that student and I. Now, I you may see that this five blog setup almost fills half the screen. If that were 30, and I had to go through every day and click through 30 blogs to see what was going on and look in 30 different activity feeds, that's just a nightmare of time. So by inviting all of the students to the same blog, that you know significantly simplifies that. And it allows you to run the blog as a discussion community. So sometimes the discussions are had in the room, sometimes they're had on the blog. Now, Jay, let me throw a couple of things at you here. And, and this is completely coming after the fact that today I read this whole chapter on um, administrative responsibilities. You know, I'm going through all these administrative classes. Now, let's just say that a parent calls you up, Jay, and says, um, I happen to see on Sam's blog, his student wrote something, I don't agree with it, or can you please tell your teacher to take that down, or something. Something comes across your desk that you know as a connected educator that's cool, and the teacher is going completely like, this is good, this is good, and the parent's like, no, we don't want this. Where does policy come in? Where does common sense come in? Where does that parent fit in in the conversation? How do you handle all of this as an administrator when you know that it's just a harmless little homework assignment, but that's now out there? Well, it, it really starts. Uh, it, it really starts with the fact that uh, common sense is is kind of paramount to everything that we do, and unfortunately, uh, in administration and in education, from time to time, the uh, the words or the phrase common sense and education uh, sometimes just don't uh, get along too well. But having said all of that, it is uh, absolutely critical uh, that an administrator, uh, a building principal, and even a superintendent uh, also keeps a steady tab on, on what's being posted and what's being read and what's being said. Uh, Sam talked about a great length of, of how he is in control. And I think one of the biggest pieces of all of this is that to remind teachers and administrators and everyone 
uh, is, is to remind everyone that, you know, you have as the educator, I am trusting you with that educational professional responsibility of regulating. I don't have time to read every student's blog. I don't have time to read every teacher's blog. Uh, and unfortunately, more often than not, if it's something of the uh, lack of common sense, if you will, that comes across my desk. Uh, and, and when those incidents happen, everyone is actually individual and you kind of have to handle it on a case by case basis uh, as to you know what was said, how it was said, what was meant, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, now, now, to be fair, I bet you've had those conversations about emails, too. Certainly, certainly. Uh, and, and, and look, uh, one of my, my blanket resources that I covered is you signed the AUP in September and my AUP is four pages of basically you can do this and you cannot do this, 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 and this. And I'm not trying to be a warden. Uh, I'm just trying to, you know, most of those, those four pages of my AUP is common sense stuff. Okay. You're not going to sit on eBay all day and bid on items. You're not going to be posting, uh, you know, blog posts about how the, uh, central administration or how their kids are awful. Uh, you want to do that on your own time, on your own blog, that's that's your own thing. But if, if you're going to be doing it on school time, on school devices, that's something completely different. Well, now, Jay, let me, uh, let me, let me ask, I got to ask you this. What happens if your yeah. teacher is doing an assignment where the students had to go onto eBay and bid on various uh, puppet parts that they had to do research on? Hey, 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 hey. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, every, that, that again, never happened. <laughs> every, every uh, incident is individual and can be evaluated on a uh, administrative basis. Have to have a discussion. I really want to hear about that kid who went to Timbuktu that you were talking about before. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's pretty cool. Sam, we have but, some, we have some questions here from the audience. Um, somebody here, Joe in our, in our audience. Uh, let's see. Things go scrolling by here. What about connecting schools and classrooms? Um, that are in different school districts, Jay. Like, what happens if if my acceptable use policy is not the same as Sam's, but we want to share on the same blog, maybe using that same message, where instead of thirty kids on one blog, we've got sixty-five kids. Jay first, well, again, and Sam on uh, that. It, it really has to. De it depends on the actual policies themselves. Uh, most schools are, you know, if if a school is trying to connect with another school, uh, chances are that there is some sound policy and. Uh, the administration is behind such a push. Uh, if there is any type of legal ramblings, um, surely it will it will trickle up to uh, whomever's uh, department that, that you know oversees something like that. But typically, uh, for example, my school is going to be participating uh, on Digital Learning Day in a uh, virtual debate against another school up in North New Jersey. Nice. And uh, we are very excited for such. Uh, but both schools have a very sound AUPs and have very sound policy uh, that that promote this kind of thing. So we have any a, roadblocks uh, to be had; they're typically hammered out pretty quickly. We we have a very very active discussion tonight. We have a lot of people watching. Thank you guys so much out there, uh, especially Franny and Joe and Peggy and Thomas and uh, and I, I don't see Craig tonight. I don't know what's going on with Craig, but but uh, Sam, go ahead. Let me jump in on this uh, connecting schools because one of the blogs I'm setting up right now is for our eighth grade school twinning project, a school in Israel and our school uh, pair up and they have typically sent each other emails, sent each other videos, and we're using Blogger for the first time this year. And we're actually using a Google form to collect the information part of the time because it's tricky getting someone who's essentially on the other side of the world to work with you on a blog especially when there's some language issues 
in that I don't speak Hebrew and they do. Um, so I'm actually sitting next to one of the Hebrew instructors doing this because half the blog is in Hebrew. Uh, but it's really amazing because they're going to be able to see, respond, and interact with each other. And already our kids in their posts are like, oh, connect with me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. So, you know, while we're setting it up on the blog, they're already kind of reaching beyond that. So it's really a beginning of a conversation. Jeff, you had a question. Uh, there's a lot of actually good examples that are going on here about connecting each other to do like poetry assignments. I know Jay, tell us a little bit about what you guys were doing with that other school in uh, North Jersey. We are uh, going to have a virtual debate on the uh, essential question of whether homework is important or not important uh, in, in one school. Uh, middle school students, my sixth and seventh graders will be debating sixth and seventh graders from the Maplewood South Orange school district up in North Jersey uh, we have taken the stance of homework is important, uh, and again, it will be debated through Google Hangout uh, with judges ranging from uh, New Jersey to California, which I think is just, you know, that's a really cool thing. Uh, it's the epitome of what we're trying to do right now. Nice. Sam, show us a little bit more. Once we have those settings on Blogger, where do we go from there? Like, What are some of the pedagogical things that we can do to maybe start doing uh, really high quality blogs. I mean, in New Jersey, we are focused on things like the HESPA and, and grammar. Should we be grammar police or is, is a blog just a way for the kids to express themselves or are we using you know, they, blogs again, to put movies and videos and stuff in? Like what, what are we doing with all this stuff once we get these neat toys set up? Well, it, it really depends on what your goal is, um, right? Because if you're, I, I think that if there, you should have the same expectations for any grammar, you know, the grammar expectations for any assignment you're doing. But if the work's going to be viewed publicly, that's like publishing it, right? Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about working with kids on a blog is that it allows you to get them to see the experience of publishing. And even though this summer I was working on a blog with a bunch of students, and even though I would be on them about writing a good um writing a good title that's descriptive they pretty much ignored me until i showed them that when a reader from new zealand and, and i had the stats that we would had somebody from new zealand overnight when a reader from new zealand comes to the blog to read and sees that everything's titled learning reflection there's not much need for them to read that and um <laughs> You know, and I put up on my screen, you know, exactly like I've got right now, where you can see that these posts are all titled essentially the same thing. Um, these students haven't been introduced to international readers yet. There's a significant change that happens when that, that occurs. Um, there's a great website called Comments for Kids that encourages sharing of student blogs, and that takes it to a whole nother level. I think the work that you publish to represent your school or to represent your class. Just like if I'm a teacher, I'm really gonna try to make sure that the class newsletter is closely copy edited. I would encourage that for a blog also. I wanna show you one of the cool things you can do though. On the screen right now, you've got my iPad. I've just opened the um, Blogger app and this is on my iPad and I can carry it around the classroom, right? and I can switch which blog I have, I can set the image resolution, I can set post order, I've got some settings there. But when I'm in class teaching, 
I can open the post while I'm walking around the room. I can title the post and really just, you know, show what we're learning in class. Because if I hit this photo button, that opens my camera. Um, I can even turn that camera around. So here my iPad's on its side and apparently it's very confused about which way is up. But that's amazing in the sense of pedagogy because the hardest thing about blogging is coming up with the time to write the blog later. Um, you can even, if uh, I were to tap into the middle content window here and turn off my keyboard, hopefully the on-screen keyboard will come up. And when it does, if it does, um, you've got the, uh, of course it's not cooperating now, let's try this again. No on-screen keyboard, come on. You've got the most powerful button on the keyboard. Jeff, do you know what the most powerful button on the on-screen keyboard is? Off? There isn't an off button, Jeff, but there's this microphone button. And if I've got the microphone button turned on, I can dictate into my blog, which means that what I say to my class can go directly onto the blog page. I'm just, just gonna be there in draft, but that allows me to blog as I teach. That's a game changer right there. I've got this portable device that allows me to add images that I have uh, taken in class. I can drop them directly into the blog post. I can also import directly from the, uh, the camera roll. Uh, we're gonna save that, but that's really where you can start doing work that's really amazing because the combination of policy where you're encouraging teachers to share work and you've set up clear guidelines for what they should and shouldn't share in their classroom. And then they're able to do that while they walk around the room teaching. Um, that can be a really powerful opportunity for sharing direct learning out of class. And it's easy for teachers to do high quality work. From my iPad, I just publish as uh, I just publish as draft. I don't publish to public consumption directly from my iPad, but it sure is handy to be able to walk around the room and trap those pictures and just get them all in a line there and then go onto my computer and actually create a, create the post further. Now, um, Jay, you once yes. asked me, how do I podcast during my staff meetings? And I'm sitting here watching Sam going, this is how you get dictation off of your staff meetings, just by right. using that little button. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's great. It's uh, and it, and it's such a, a great tool to have uh, at, at any point. I mean, look look at what we could do today. And by the way, what's the cost for all this? Yeah, this is free with Google Apps for Education. Look at that. It's amazing. And that's that's also really important. I mean, especially coming from a you know a superintendent standpoint. I mean. We, we certainly are uh, investing scads and scads of money uh, in, in various technologies. So when we have uh, when we come across items that are free to utilize, uh, it's it's fantastic. It is, and I'm going to bring it back to to my screen here because I just created this file on my iPad. It is here in draft form. I open it to edit. And I have the ability to even insert a video now. I can't insert a video directly from the iPad, but I can include, I can search videos from YouTube. So if I put in a search term for some excellent educational broadcasting and we're gonna go ahead and you know 
It, it's all excellent, video. by the way. It, it is. We're going to put in this video about professional development, and I save that. I can even preview it. And, you know, I'm not going to publish this because my seventh graders do not care about good professional development. They only know <laughs> that it's great to be in a classroom with someone who's excited about seeking out and creating professional development opportunities and engaging in an online community of professional development because they get great ideas from a bunch of teachers every week because I spend time doing my Twitters. Um, but you can see here that it drops that video in there. And that was so easy. It was just literally a couple of clicks. I can also add video directly from my webcam or from my phone. Um, so you can upload the video directly to you to Blogger. You don't have to go through YouTube. You don't have to have your own YouTube account. And if you've got it set up that it's private, restricted to a certain number of viewers, that's a good way to keep a handle on your video and how portable it is. No, because wait. even when we restrict viewage on a YouTube video, any one of those people can still grab that video and share it out. Wait a minute. So, for instance, in my school, we have Google Apps, but the kids do not have individual YouTube accounts. Are you telling no. me that through this, a kid can take a movie and put it into the into, I guess it's still into your classroom blogger account, right? Right. So, so, so that I'm way your teacher account is is holding some kid's project video. Right. So I'm going to click on this uh, choose video to upload. And let me see if I can find – there's got to be a video somewhere on this machine, right? Jay, is there any um, issues there? Just curious. Uh, if, you, if you go to one of your teachers and you yeah. say – open up your video file and there's tons of videos of kids doing silly things, maybe for a project, maybe not. Is that an issue that teachers need to be worrying about that they suddenly they're ingesting student video that might be questionable? Well, again, I mean, it, it comes down to supervision and it comes down to actual know-how. So Knowing, you know, it's it's overcoming that that fear and obstacle. Uh, and lo and behold, we are in schools. We uh, are predominantly using this most of this technology in the ways of uh, middle school and high school students. Um, granted, elementary students are using it too. But where we come into these pitfalls of inappropriate videos or inappropriate websites, uh, typically happen in middle school and high school. And let's face it, you know. Uh, Kids are kids, and they're going to poke holes where they can. So if, if they take a misstep and they download something inappropriate or they film something inappropriate, uh, you know, it is the teacher's responsibility. But if it, if it does escalate and comes across, you know, my desk, for example, it's, it's simple. You know, it's a policy violation. And, uh, you know, we, we try to move forward and, and hopefully see it as a learning experience. Uh, I'm not a gotcha guy. I never will be. And I'm not one to... Uh, look at something and say, oh, look at that. This teacher had 156 videos of kids screwing around in class. It happens. Uh, and if it's problematic, you know, we'll find ways to fix it. But if it's an isolated incident, you know, whatever. What are you going to do? I mean, it's a kid being a kid, you know. And I know that as teachers in my school have started to work with students to create video, it's been a learning process because it's uh, difficult to teach kids how to make a good video. They want to be silly in front of the camera because that's what they've been taught to do. So it's another literacy that teachers are actually responsible for teaching. If you're, if you're a teacher, you're not going to have a whole bunch of videos of kids messing around in class because if they just mess around when you ask them to make videos, you're going to stop asking them to make videos. Correct. 
So, Jeff, do we have any other big questions in the uh, in the chat? Because that, I mean, there's so much more that you can talk about. But you know, the fact that with Blogger you can actually host video on Blogger, um, I'm sure there's a limit to it, but I don't have those numbers right here. Um, there's a lot know, of stuff going on right now. I mean, basically, what you're saying, Sam, is there's so much stuff going on you could actually write a book around it. I, I think that's right, Jeff. Um, we should do that. <laughs> Sam, do you, do you think it's important that all teachers really are thoroughly aware of, of how much control they actually do have? I find so many educators today are, you know, they don't embrace all this technology because they fear that they don't have absolute control over it. And teachers typically uh, try to really, you know, anything, you know, I know when I was teaching, anything that I did in there with eighth graders is, you know, I want to make sure I know what's going on and I have the ability to regulate it. Uh, right. I yeah, think you kind of said that before with Blogger itself and these other blog features, but teachers really do have those tools at their fingertips, yes? They, they really do, and Blogger will even notify you every time anybody does anything on the blog, which is a total double-edged sword, because as a teacher, it allows you to see every time a change is made, but you have to also know that if you have 30 students four in four different periods in a day or five different periods in a day, and you ask them to make three changes on their blog, that could create uh, 350. That's probably not right, but I was a poetry major. Um, but, you know, that's a lot of emails. So you want to actually, in addition to paying attention to those, you want them to have a filter so that you can go to one place in your email, it dumps them all into the same folder, and you can review the ones and see what's going on. Um, I was lucky enough this summer that I actually had some older students that were working as mentors to the younger students I was working with, and I made them moderators on the blog so that we could get the work turned around much more quickly because it was only a four-week program, so you don't have the time to build the audience and relationship. We were just cooking on it day by day, um, and having a, seven more you know, pairs of eyes on that was really helpful and kept me from feeling you know, despair over the fact that I was managing 120 blogs. Right. Guys, this has certainly so, been a great topic. Um, I want to say thank you very much to Jay for coming on. Jay, what do you have going on in the next few weeks? Any big conferences in, uh, in New Jersey or anything that you're going to be doing for your professional development? Uh, I was fortunate, actually, uh, a couple weeks ago, I attended the uh, District Administration Leadership Institute down in Tampa. Mm. Uh, and we'll be attending and presenting uh, at the New Jersey Association of School Administrators at their annual Texpo convention. Uh, in Atlantic City this Thursday and Friday. Have a good time with that. I heard that if you go to Atlantic City and the moon is just right, you just might walk out of there with a set of triplets. Yeah. Speaking of the triplets, Jeff, um, how about an update? What's going on with the babies? Tell us about the babies. Show us baby pictures. Come on, Jeff. You want to see baby pictures, Walker? Please, 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 please. Does, I don't know if anybody out there wants to see. Okay, fine. Um, babies are doing really, really well. We had a lot of good milestones this week. Um, baby A, Robert, is now completely without uh, any of his breathing tubes. It's it's pretty amazing. We actually started off the week in the news. Um, let's see if I can pull this up here. There is a wonderful newspaper that uh, featured the babies and... And how well they're doing. So I want to give a big shout out there to GMAC News. And uh, the, the author's name is Jennifer Amato. And she did a great, great job in the North Brunswick Sentinel putting this picture together, uh, this whole article together of how basically the, the baby story 
here's one of the lights of my life. Sarah's doing amazing. She's almost, she's, she's just beautiful. over, she is, she's just over five pounds and uh, she's, she's doing really, really well. However, life doesn't always look this cute. Um, she didn't like the other day when we tried to give her a bath. And wow. so, yeah, again, here, here's, here's the before. Happy girl. Here's the after. I agree, girl. Be- before, <laughs> after. Girl. So, girl. yeah, but uh, look at this picture. This is one of my favorites. This is Robert. He has nothing on his face. Now, if you look at his nose, he does have a little tube that's basically to help him feed um, occasionally. But he's basically now on bottle feeds. And uh, that's these are like the first picture I'm actually seeing of the kid without any big stuff on. This is really, really, really cool. Um, one more time. Happy girl. Angry girl. Angry girl. <laughs> And so they have to quickly understand that mommy and daddy have uh, three babies and we don't know what we're doing just as much as they don't know what they're doing. So uh, there's that there. There is there's the wonderful light of my life right there. So, yeah, lots of good stuff. And, um, you know, we don't know what's going on yet. We were told at the beginning of the week that Robert and Sarah were kind of neck and neck as far as who's coming home first. And then as the week progressed, uh, Sarah had a few minor setbacks, no pun intended, and Robert j- then had her his mask off. So I'm expecting Robert to be home within two to three weeks. I'm expecting Sarah to be home within three to four weeks. And Christopher had a major milestone this week where they actually took the breathing tube out of his throat, and they are expecting him to still be there in the summertime. So we have some ups and we have some downs and we have a lot of challenges, but I will tell you the support from everybody has been quite amazing and the Rocky road isn't over yet. And um, yeah, thanks for asking. Um, I understand that there's some really neat things happening, not on Tuesday nights, but on Thursday nights now with you, Sam, isn't there? Yes. I, I moved Petui to Thursday night and I've been really impressed with the community's response. A lot of our old Petui people are showing up and some who haven't had an opportunity to come to Petui before are showing up for the chat. I uh, had a great chat last week about technology, health, wellness, and teaching, kind of on the I have the flu theme. And this week, I'm looking forward to a great chat about how sharing is our superpower and asking questions about what their schools think about sharing student work and what they do to make that difficult or easy for the teachers at the classroom and school level. Oh, sorry. I was getting confused there. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That was a request. Anyway, uh, Jay, tell us a little bit about where we can find you online and on your super channels. Uh, You could find me on Twitter at uh, isuperite. And I also post a uh, periodic blog on uh, jeidner.com. Excellent. Sharknado. Yes. Sharknado. Yeah, it's been a while since Sharknado, Sam. I, I, yeah, I'm yeah, waiting yeah. for the uh, the second Sharknado to come out, and I'm eagerly trying to see how I could tie such a uh, a sequel into my blog post. It, have you have you watched okay, it? No, on? you are yeah. too, Sam. It's on Netflix, by the way. Sharknado's on Netflix? Yes, it is. Look at oh, that. Jay, I think we're going to have to do a running commentary, The Education of Sharknado, where we have it playing on Netflix, and then you and I just record a commentary that goes over it. I, I bet that would probably do pretty well. We can do that. I think I can get, I can put Netflix on here, and we can have it run. Uh, Jay, I, I'd hate to leave you right now without asking you a very important question. It is Sunday night, January sure, the 26th. Who is going to win the, the Royal Rumble? 
You know, that's a great question. Uh, I actually, I have to leave now. I am uh, actually number 30 in the Royal Rumble. You, so, uh, really? You guys don't mind. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually satelliting from uh, the backstage right now. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to win. And so you're going to be facing Randy Orton at, at WrestleMania? Uh, possibly. Uh, we haven't worked out those details yet. Okay. I'm, I'm eager to be number 30. I guess it depends on what happens so. next month in the Elimination Chamber. Anyway, Sam. <laughs> Sam, 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 anything? Please, say something else so I can stop thinking of the words Elimination Chamber. <laughs> It's Harry Potter and the Elimination Chamber. Anyway, thank you guys so much for being a part of the show tonight. We want to, of course, th- wait, is there one more goodbye that we have out there, Sam? I-, I saw him flicker. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I I just, I'm lucky as a puppet I don't have an Elimination Chamber. That's all. Join us next week as we have another great Tech Educator podcast live here each and every single Sunday night at 7 o'clock. Um, on behalf of my co-hosts, Sam Patterson, Jeff Herb, John Samuelson, and our guest tonight, Jay Eitner, thank you guys so much for being a part. We will see you next week. Next week.